So here we are in Las Vegas. Las, wow. That was a quick trip. Yeah, that was very fast. <laughs> anyway, um, I just want to state for the record, because I know Chad won't tell you this. We were supposed to have special guests last night. Yeah. Our drummer and our fiddle player. But hence, Mother Nature and Father Electricity. <laughs> <laughs> We were not able to get the gear working. However, we will fix that because yeah. we figured it out. When I say we, I mean Chad. Yeah, I already I, figured it out. <laughs> when I say figured it out, I mean just drank and thrown stuff. And <laughs> anyway, all is good. Yeah. Yeah, we were nearly there. But uh, this, it's, our, our schedules have been so crunched this week. I'm trying to get ready for this thing. Let's speak for yourself. I've been laying out in the sun. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yes, it's been it's been a while. I think Chad did an amazing job on the last uh, on the last podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, I haven't listened to it, yeah. nor will I. But <laughs> I, I no, I've heard I've heard wonderful things. I uh, I don't speak very good English, so I don't don't listen to listen to this stuff. So, but yeah, we're very excited. We've uh, since we've spoken last, we have uh, we have uh, nailed down our dates in Bundoran uh, for the Ireland trip. We're uh, incredibly excited about playing San Diego again. Yeah. And uh, having a ball here in Vegas. And uh, looking forward to uh, Lazy Harry's in uh, Bullhead, Arizona. And uh, the Dubliner in Phoenix. So we've got a, we got a lot, of, lot of stuff coming up here. And we got um, also, also we're working on new stuff while we're here. Captive. Yeah. In the, uh, in the desert. <laughs> Yeah, if you've been to a show recently, we do have a brand new song. We just started playing, and we have got another one in the works right now. So it's been really fun yes. to set together. Yeah, we're uh, we're 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 and just another side note too. We're doing our uh, we're doing the pirate festival next month, and uh, we're uh, we're we're doing a we're doing a little pirate song. So uh, we're uh, so we're gonna we're gonna work on that too, and uh, hopefully debut it while we're out here. Cool. So, yeah, yeah it's been, it's been, uh, it's been, been a lot of fun. It's uh, trying to trying to push the push the pedal on the on the on the originals and get them get them in, into into fighting shape. So when we record them, we don't have to go into hiding. So do you remember? The, the, I know the first time we played in Vegas was at Hennessy's, but this the stint that we've we've been doing at Rerun for a while in Mandalay Bay that came through Derek Warfield. Yes. Right. Do you remember how that initially came about? Yes. But that's how you met him, right? I mean, you hadn't actually met him before that. Yes, I had not met him. I yeah. actually, I opened for, in, in case you don't know who the Wolf Tones are, a legendary Irish folk band and incredibly popular in our, actually all over the world. But um, they, the, the Wolf Tones been around since the 60s and they are, uh, the, the original lineup was four, incredible musicians uh one of them broke off a few years back derek and uh his his brother brian is also in the band but uh derek broke off to do his own thing and uh so he's now derek warfield on the young wolf tones uh with damaris woods on banjo and uh usually a rotating cast of other musicians. Yeah, I'm not sure who's in the van now. Yeah, but we've uh, so I so I get a phone call. Uh, Paddy, uh, how are you? Uh, it's Derek Warfield, uh, <laughs> uh, the Young Wolf Tones. Now, 
if you if you listen to any of the previous podcasts, you will notice that I said that one of my first musical experiences was a band called the Wolf Tones. And that was back in a place called the Glen Eagle Hotel in uh, County Kerry. And I saw the Wolf Tones. My life changed when my friend Jimmy Shields, drummer f- for the um, Roller Skate Skinny, also formed a band called the Wounded Knees. And uh, he also played in his big brother's band, My Bloody Valentine. So there's a few names dropped. I feel like a country and western song. But um, uh, Jimmy and I jumped up on the stage, and I apologize for those who have already heard the story, but it's short, shorter than the intro. Pew. Uh, Jimmy and I jumped up on the stage on their break and mimed to the disco music that they played over the PA uh, in, in their break. And we, we, we to, to, to the crowd's delight, we, you know, mimed these songs. And that's, that, was the, that was the light that went off. I was like, oh, I could, I could maybe do this. Yeah. So uh, fast forward then a few years. Uh, Paddy, how are you? Uh, Derek Warfield here. And I, I nearly fainted. I get a phone call from Derek Warfield from the Wolf Tones, who's now Derek Wolf, the young Wolf Tones. He, uh, and he asked us, he asked me, he says, uh, I've, heard, I've heard good things about Blackguards. Uh, give me a call. I'd like to book you in some show. And just to, to, to get a phone call was massive. Yeah. And then to have heard of the band and to want to book us, you know, he's putting his name on it, essentially, mm-hmm. to, to book. So he... Uh, he booked us in Vegas. He booked us in Atlantic City. He booked us in DC. He booked us. I mean, he's just the 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 man. Uh, he's a little like Chad, you know. He gets around. He um, um, was he instrumental in getting us that, that show at in uh, Tampa as well. Did he get us that yes, gig? Four, the Four yeah. Greenfields? Yeah, yeah. Four Greenfields, wonderful little pub in Tampa, Florida, and uh, yeah, he he got us in. Actually, no, we played there before him. Believe it or not. Oh, that's, oh, gosh, and then that's right. Then. Uh, uh, then years later, so I believe the Four Greenfields now have uh, they have another location in Tampa, but Derek books them both. I yeah, believe, and he lives there. He, right? Part he time, the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's all over the world. Right. The Derek Warfield plays, you know, all over all over. They play in Australia. They play all over Europe. They play in. Uh, uh, he he he's got a he's got a a schedule that's yeah uh, just and 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 again he's you know. He's he's my age. He's he's okay, a little older. But he's he's. I mean, and and even if you don't like Irish music, uh, historically speaking, Derek Warfield carries with him in his head. He also he's written a, a couple of books, and he's uh, that's right. His catalog, his CD catalog, is just just fantastic. But he carries with him at any moment dates, names, battles, uh, uh, just. His, historic events he carries this in his head it just and and at the drop of a hat he will he tells he will give you these stories and he will just enlighten you with these amazing facts of irish history and he is just he's just he's a, he's a treasure absolute treasure so he um you know if you go to his show you know the music's fantastic but also the 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 history behind these songs are just incredible and then to you know the the reason why we're here Again, another thing that knocked knock, knock my socks off was I got a phone call from Derek saying, uh, Paddy, uh, would you like to play the Celtic Supporters Convention in Vegas in uh, June now? And uh, that was last year. I was, what? I mean, that's, the, the, you know, so Glasgow Celtic Football Club, soccer here in America, they, uh, they do an annual 
pilgrimage to the states and they have their you know their their uh their convention well this year it's in vegas and uh they have uh they have won you know the 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 treble as they say they're they just they're, they won their league and they're they're so there's a i don't know how many thousands of scotsmen plus the worldwide supporters are going to descend upon vegas now and for this week and uh they're you know they're doing they're doing their convention here so it's uh, going to be going to be <laughs> it's going to be a lot of suntan lotion and a lot of uh, aspirin sold here <laughs> in Vegas this week. <laughs> uh, it's going to be it's going to be insane. So uh, yeah, so Derek usually plays this um, convention. Well, he asked us to do it this year, and just we're we're just tremendously excited to do it, and a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely been looking forward to this. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, one of the very first uh, shows, well, it, well, before I joined the band, uh, it was during that, that interim period when Tom had given you his notice. Tom yes. Jenkins, the bass player before me, and Patrick Devon Band. It was like October, I think, and he said, I'm going to leave at the end of the year, like after New Year's or something. And in between that time, one of the gigs you had was the Celtic Supporters uh, party in December at... Uh, what was then called Ron's Ron's. Yeah. What was the letter bull's head or what was it? No. What did they, what did they rename it as? Uh, well, that location moved wherever that location was. They moved it. Cause we did the party many times there afterwards. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe we, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, huh. I have to look that up. I'm, I've, <laughs> I'm lost. I think you're thinking of a different pub. We, we played there a bunch of times, but it's changed names. I can't remember. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, but I, I was going around to all the shows at that point, sort of understudying, <laughs> not playing, but just watching the show. And I was paying attention to everything Tom was doing and just just getting a feel for it. But that, that was one of the crazier shows that I'd seen because I obviously I'd, I don't know nothing. Any, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know nothing. I don't know anything about sports, really. And so I'd, I knew next to nothing about about the Celtic at that time. So uh, it was it was really something else to see. This, this, that, that particular party too was a big one because they had the, it wasn't just a local Houston contingent. It was people from Dallas and, uh, yes, yeah, so Dallas and New Orleans. New Orleans yeah. 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 There's, um, uh, I, I want to say that Celtic is, 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 um, worldwide has the most clubs and whatnot. We used to have a huge club here in Houston headed by, uh, Mike, our drummer's father, John McAloon. He, uh, he was the president. I know for a time, and and even for a time he was secret he was the secret head of uh the Celtics because he didn't want Irene to know because she would have kicked him out but uh, that's another story but uh, yes so so we had um so again the internet thanks to the internet uh these clubs started to dwindle because it was a just ma- massive ordeal to go to uh, a pub at six o'clock in the morning you know have your you know, have the full Irish breakfast and pints flowing at, you know, 6 a.m. And then to see your team Celtic, you know, live. So it was just a huge ordeal, you know, pay-per-view events and all this stuff. So everybody's paying 20 quid ahead to come in and do all this stuff. But then as the internet came and you could get it on your computer and you didn't have to get out of bed and you could have, you know, you know, yeah, you know, obviously not the same atmosphere, but, you know, unless you're Chad, you know. You can you know, have the same experience in bed, you know, watching the thing and then go right back to. So, uh, so these, so these pubs that would do these big, you know, these, these, these big events, 
They were huge. I mean, there, there was there, there would be sometimes, you know, 50 or 60 people in the pub, just Celtic supporters watching these games. And, uh, you know, it's a, uh, you're watching it live. You're watching it with your, you know, your, 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 the, you know, the other fans in, 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 in Glasgow and you're, you know, it's just, that was something to, so the internet then again, you know, you can see this stuff or you can, you know, just watch the replay later on and whatnot. So the, the clubs kind of dwindled and memberships dwindled and whatnot. So, so back in the day, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a big deal to, to, yeah. to, you know, their, their convention, their annual get together. And, uh, yeah, there's, as you can tell from these podcasts, I have, I have one rule. I said, don't ever give an Irishman a microphone because they don't get off it. <laughs> so when you go to these things, yeah, it's great to, uh, it's great to, to, to see the hoopla and whatnot and be a part of it. But my God, they get into the speeches and, oh, <laughs> oh, stop. Yeah. So that's what Chad's talking about. Yeah, they, they, the energy in the room is something to behold and the songs and the singing and they're going to, it doesn't matter what kind of PA you bring in, they're louder than you and they're, they've got more energy than you. So you're, you just, you're beholden to the, the whim of the, the, the room. So you, you have to, you have to learn very quickly to, to be the jukebox and yeah. to do 17 verses of uh, Athen Rye or to do, right. uh, you know, it, you know, you just, you know, and you better know some Rod Stewart and you better know some, uh, some, some, uh, Wolf Tones and all that stuff. So oh, it reminds me, I was going to, I was thinking about Fields of Athen, right? Do you remember how you used to play it before I joined? Yes. We, we changed, you know, that's when prison love songs happened. Yes. We didn't call it that at the time, at the time. but, uh, did you, was it always, did you, were you playing it as a train before that? Or cause I, I remember, yes. yes. Cause the main thing I remember is, uh, the way you did it at the uh, at at the Celtic uh, supporters party that that year. Yeah, and with the way we've done it, but it may have been a request at that point. So I'm not sure what happened before that. But you know, so you started off as a ballad. Yes, and then it starts picking up speed as you're repeating the chorus towards the end, and then they then everybody they get into into the the huddle. Yeah, the sort of circle, and they're going in and out, and it, and it just goes on and on forever. Yes, I always thought that that was uh, there's a little bit of that Celtic energy and. And the prison loves like the way we do it on the on the record. Yes, was that something you were thinking about when? Um, no, no. When but, we put it with the uh, Johnny Cash, I mean, yes, but but it, it, it was an evolution. The the songs. Okay, so, so rewind back to when I would never have thought of doing it back in the day because I'd I'd heard it as the prison wall. Right. I heard a young, you know, just heard that just dirge and just gun in the mouth over. <laughs> just no, but um. You know, you're in a pub, you know, re- remember a couple of things when you're in a pub. A, you're dealing with adult children and B, attention span. There's not much. So you have to work fast. And even the slow songs don't, if there's, if there's like most Irish songs, 33 verses and 80 choruses, you know, you have to, people get bored really, really quickly. People get yeah. antsy and, 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 you know, you would, the band feeds off the crowd no matter what anybody says the band feeds off the crowd yonkers um <laughs> so to to do a song like that uh, and another song comes to mind greenfields of france i would never have played that song except people request it and if you play it as you heard it as a kid a why so so what you know it's been done so so you have to put a, you know, so in, in my case, I had to speed it up. I had to make it energetic. I had to make it to where I didn't throw up every time I wanted to do it. Yeah. So 
so yeah, you have to speed it. And, and you know, the purists will scoff and complain and whatnot, but you're not, you, you're in a pub. Chances are there's not very many purists there, you know, that are going to, you know, um, demand that you play it, um, you know, like the original. So, so yeah, the evolution of Athen Rye ended up being, it ended up, uh, you know, just as, and as our players changed, so did the songs. A lot of, a lot of the songs that we do now are because, uh, I won't say a lot. I mean, a lot of times I'll say the song would change depending on the ability of the person you're playing with. Cause I remember the, the, the reggae part in, <laughs> yes, in, exactly. in suspicious minds came about because the drummer couldn't do the, the six, eight in mm-hmm. you know, that waltz feel in the middle. And it's an, it's not a waltz. Uh, you know, the way we wanted it was not a waltz. It was a real free form mm-hmm. with a waltz bass. And if you, you know, I apologize for the, technical crap here but the the that that song needs that and and also too when you're limited in your instrumentation when you don't have a big orchestra behind you it's really difficult to make to fake that that big sound when there's only you know a guitar and and one of the instruments is a lead instrument that can't do you know a, a lot of atmospheric background stuff you know or texturing if you will so a lot of these songs became you know a product of what we had at the time you know, mm-hmm. uh, we were a five piece for a short time and a lot of the stuff became really, really intricate and, you know, or, you know, that we were working towards it being, and, but, but it's, again, it's, it, it's, a uh, for the sake of the attention span and for the sake of the, the set list, you know, it's, I, I, to, to me anyway, it's crucial to have something that's bite size and flashy and, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 um, the, 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 uh, one of the one of the biggest uh, advantages we have now is we can shorten or lengthen a uh, song. We you know because Wes has been with us for a while now, and Mike Mike's really good at reading, uh, you know what's coming, and so so we're able to uh, uh, we're able to um, get this to to shorten or lengthen or just fit the fit what we need to do at that moment. Yeah, and 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 that's how. That's how, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that's also, uh, you know, why, you know, bands staying together and, and bands working together and rehearsing together is crucial to, yeah. to, uh, um, I was thinking about, you're, you're mentioning that people don't, it's not very often we get people complaining about the way we're playing a song. There was one time somebody came up to me and complained about the way we did Fields of Athen Rye. And this was at Fado in Austin a long time ago. And I'm not really sure exactly which era of the band this was. It's probably, I think it was over 10 years ago. But this guy comes up and says, you know, you're not playing that song right. Fields of Athens right? It's a sad song. You know, you know what it's about, right? It's like, yes, I know what it's about. <laughs> and, you know, you're not, it's not a, you shouldn't be playing, you shouldn't be playing in like, you know, upbeat. You know, it's not a happy song. <laughs> so, first of all, I was thinking, in retrospect, I'm thinking like, have you heard of, have you heard of the blues? <laughs> For one example. But also too that the what I told him was like you you've probably never been to a Celtic supporters party because you know just because a, so, a song we, all those people all those people know what that song's about you know you you don't have to explain it to them this is not a happy song you know it, there there's something uh, exhilarating about taking a, something that's a sad and in a way that's all what music is in a way you take something that's sad and you. Isn't art raise it above? Yeah. You know, it kind of rises above. Yes, the pain and the, the you know. So I, I found that really, really, really uh, 
kind of fascinating that somebody would be that that uh, snobbish about, you know. But I, I can kind of understand it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I don't uh, think you're really hearing what yeah. we're doing. And again, I get into this argument—not argument, but I, I have to remind myself too when I hear a band like Kiss, and I want to throw something or kill somebody or so. You know, I have to remind myself that that not only are those those guys incredible at what they do they have their market you know so they you know they didn't get to where they were by you know by daddy's money or you know they they seized upon uh uh an audience and they they got what they wanted so as as much as i despise listening to that i understand why people grew up you know idolizing that band i i, I understand i don't I don't get it. You know, I don't get, you know, I don't get the music. Yeah. But again, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you that uh, Detroit Rock City or, uh, you know, rock and roll on night or, you know, I, I, I can't, uh, they're anthems. They're, you know, and, and if somebody was to, to do it today, you know, if Slipknot, Slipknot was to record it or Rammstein or, or Goat Whore, or, you know, one of these bands were to cover one of these, <laughs> cover one of these, one of these, these songs, and make it a, you know, yeah, KISS fans wouldn't like it, but hey, they might reach a new audience with, with you know, with, with their interpretation of it. Sure. And again, this is art. This is, this is, this is you know, the, the artist's interpretation of how this, you know, so, so there isn't, there, there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. Um, and the right way to do it is completely up in the air because you're, you're talking to, you know, whoever... Because I remember too, we, we were we were at O'Bannon's, and uh, this young girl from Ireland came up, and she said that uh, she uh, she wanted to sing with the band. She wanted to sing with us, and she said that we were. She said we weren't doing Irish music, and I said oh, I I think we are. You know, it's and uh, she was again wanting to sing like Enya or you know like a, a Sinead O'Connor ballad or something just really really slow and with you know and i i, I said in the nicest way um piss up no i said uh i said look look at the instrumentation look at what we're doing and we're hired by this bar and this bar is not quiet tonight we're you know it's packed to the gills do you think that a traditional band would go over right now i don't think so yeah you look outside that this is a college town this is a young crowd i think the oldest person in there well, it wasn't me for sure, but there was, there was a, the average age might've been 22, 23 in the whole, I mean, so everybody has their idea of how it's going to work. And I can't tell you the amount of bands that have, and, and uh, that, that, let me finish that sentence there, please. Um, that the amount of bands that have changed because of, you know, they've changed their approach because of somebody's uh, uh, idea. And we've been guilty of it back early, 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 early on. Like somebody else's idea. So yeah, somebody yeah. else's. And, but somebody else says, hey, why don't you try the?" And then you try it and you, you say, what was I thinking? You know, it's just don't, you know, you stick. If you have a, you know, you have a vision, you have an idea how it's going to go, stay the course, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, yeah. and, and somebody on a whim saying, well, what, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. And, yeah. you, and you change, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Patton Oswalt had a really good, analogy that he was talking about uh filmmaking in this it's a beautiful, beautiful i may have i may have actually referred to this in a previous show but 
it was in, a, in an interview on, on YouTube, which I will link to in the show notes. But he, uh, he's talking about that, that, that syndrome in Hollywood where so many ideas get corrupted because somebody's saying, no, that's not how you're supposed to do it. You know, it's supposed to work this way. You know, you, you really should, you know, don't, don't try to, <laughs> you're basically steering people away from, from the, um, the idea that they had into something that makes more sense to them. And that's, that is, uh, and Patton also talks about, actually it was, he was referring to it in terms of, uh, standup comedy. She was talking about one story where he was at a doing, you know, he was doing standup at a club and he saw some guy call, go on who had trouble in his set. And, uh, you know, but that's what happens when you're, you know, when, especially in that, in that, especially in standup comedy, from what I've heard from listening to these guys that, it, a lot of it is just trial and error. You've got to go up there and throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And if it doesn't Absolutely. work, it doesn't stick. You just say, okay, well, you come back next next night and do it again. And this guy had a had a bad night, <laughs> and uh, and he went off the stage. And the, the I think it was the husband of the club of the club owner who who had a was as Patton explains in this interview was notorious for doing this sort of thing. Go went up to the guy and says, you know what you're doing wrong. You need to blah 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 blah. And it was giving him this really horrible advice. And Patton just remembers it as saying, just you could just see the creativity dying in this person because they were so desperate for approval at that point. Yeah. That they would just take it, you know, yeah, tell me what to do. I don't know. And yeah, you've, you've, <laughs> there, there's, there's, there, there's a big danger in that for sure. In all, every, every single field of, uh, of, uh, the arts. Yeah. That's, 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 that's one, that's one, um, profession that I just absolutely do not envy is just one person, one microphone, and you've got to, My God, you know, yeah. just, I mean, just, we, 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 we talked about this as well, but I mean, and I was saying the other day to a friend of mine, I still get nervous before every show. And it doesn't matter if there's 30 people in there, if you know, no matter how many thousands, it, it's just, I get nervous. That first note, you've seen it. I, I think, I, I think it's happened every single show that we've done since, 2005 i just that first note i keep looking around you know wanting somebody not to be ready so we can <laughs> yeah i just that first you know getting that get starting that first song is just still scares the crap out of me and it's 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 it, and it hasn't it hasn't uh, dissipated i mean it hasn't it hasn't got easier it's just every single show it's just and so i could not imagine uh walking out there on the stage with just just no backup no nobody else to to point you know yeah, it's just uh, that that's truly, yeah, truly. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for all those guys who who started off doing that. They, you hear them talking about. It. In fact, I saw or I listened to uh, an interview. There's a new interview with David Letterman that came out, I think, just yesterday on Mark Maron's show, uh, which is really great. And they go, they go, and they're both obviously they both they're both stand up comics, or they have a history of that. So they're they're talking about their histories with that. And uh, both of them, uh, particularly when you hear David. Letterman reminiscing about his early days and doing stand-up comedy in L.A. I think <laughs> there's a sense of of uh, it's almost like you're in the army in a way. It's like it's like basic training. It's like a really brutal experience, like an incredibly competitive, but also uh, it's it's invigorating to them. The 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 ones who survive in that business. Yes thrive on the on the competition and the, and, the challenges and and the ones that to, to the, the ones that the, the camaraderie that's formed yeah you know the ones that stay together you know cause, that's what i mean it's yeah. like they're they're in the they're in the trenches together yeah in a sense even though they're kind of competing at the same yeah. time um 
that they talk about the first time. And I've heard David Letterman talk about this a couple of times. That kid's going to be big, though. You watch. Yeah, you just keep an eye on it. Uh, when the night that Robin Williams came in for the first time, where David had already been on the scene for about a year, and then all of a sudden Robin's there and just making the room explode. Yeah. And he talks about how he, he leaned over to one of his friends. I forget. He, he mentioned the comic's name. It's a, it's a, it is a name. I can't remember who it is, but he says, like, we're screwed. <laughs> we can't do this. It reminds me of the story I've heard of Pete Townsend when the first time he, he was at a club and he saw Jimi Hendrix play probably one of those late night gigs and Eric Clapton was also there and they were sitting, standing next to each other and going, look at each other going, shit, <laughs> how are we, how are we going to match this? Yeah. yeah. But th- they both rose to the challenge, you know, and that's uh, David, of course, went on to have a spectacular career. He, you know, he found his niche. Yeah. But then and, and again, just, just take that full circle back to the, back to the music. If you stand your, if you stand your mm-hmm. ground and also, you know, don't dig your head, don't stuff your head in the sand too. You know, you, you kind of push your, push your abilities, expand your show, you know, go, go where it's uncomfortable, you know, uh, yeah, that, uh, your, your, your pal, David Bowie, he, he said too, he said, if you're, if you're waist deep, he said, you're, you're not doing anything creative when you're, you know, just about over your head. That's when it's, that's when it's, you know, when you've got that sinking feeling, that drowning feeling, because that's where you need to be to, mm-hmm. to be creative. And that's, that's, I mean, that, that, that's everything too. That's every, you know, that's every profession. I mean, you, you, you know, of course, you know, you just, no matter what you do, put everything into it. Just, yeah. You know, I guess if you're at McDonald's and there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, an exact science to how much you put in and how much you, you know, that's, that, that might be a little bit of a, a dead end thing. But if, you know, if, if you, if you push yourself in whatever you do and, you know, be it music or be it jogging or be it, you know, you know, brushing your hair, sorry, Chad, um, <laughs> you, uh, you, you know, just, you, you know, when you're, when you're at your, when you feel like you're at your wit's end, that's when, that's when it starts. And I've heard, I've heard bodybuilders talk about it too. When you're, you know, you don't count your reps, you know, go to failure and then start counting, you know, (laughs) you know, that's your, that's your, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bowie that, that, that there's actually a really good example there. What, what we were just talking about because he, he'd found himself in this trap, in the in the eighties, after Let's Dance and Tonight, it was really the success of Let's Dance that made him, that kind of got him off track a little bit. Yeah. The way he described it later, that he he felt like he was in this trap of trying to please these new fans that he had found because this, that was Let's Dance when that record came out. That was the first time he suddenly became like actual established you know yeah. pop artist, and and he felt an obligation to kind of keep that going. So he kept trying to f- figure out how to reproduce the success of let's dance. And it just was really uncomfortable oh, yeah. process for him. And he felt trapped. He didn't know what to do. And that's around that time. It was after the never let me down record came out, which he has said in interviews many times that he, he just kind of let that one go. He, the, he liked the songs, but he, he just kind of let the producer do whatever he wanted to on him and just lost, you know, he just was, wasn't really being Bowie anymore. And around that time he met Reeves Gabrels. Uh, was a really talented guitar player who was at the time was the husband of uh, somebody that Bowie was working with. I forget what she, what her role was on this tour. It was during the Glass Spider tour in 1987. But he and Reeves hit it off, just hanging out and talking about stuff. And it was, it was <laughs> because Reeves was so humble. It was only he didn't even mention right off the 
uh, right off the bat that he was actually a musician because he just didn't want to impose on him. And it was his wife who actually said, why didn't you tell him? And he like, took a tape and gave it to Bowie and it blew Bowie's mind. He was like, why didn't you tell me that you, you're amazing? You, we got to work together. And so, re, and so in all these really, in their friendship, as they got, became closer, re, it was Reeves who, who assured Bowie, is like, look, you, you don't have to do this. You, know? you don't have to keep trying to please people. You, you can do whatever you want and you should do whatever you want. So that's when they, Reeves kind of helped him steer back yeah, get back into his creative, you know, where he really wanted to be creatively. And that's yeah. when they did 10 machine. Um, so it kind of saved, uh, you know, Bowie's career. Yeah. Obviously he, that meant less record sales for him and, and uh, you know, losing those fans who were in there because of let's dance. A lot of people, it's, a, it's still staggering to me how many Bowie fans didn't really get 10 machine. Um, and I don't understand it. Cause to me, if you're a fan of the stuff he did in, in the late seventies, especially, to me, it sounds like a continuation of that. I, I love that that stuff. Anyway, no, I I, I, I think that's. I, I just had an epiphany. But mm. um, I know Epiphany's little sister very well. But um, <laughs> you're, I think, and uh, maybe the 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 listeners can back me up or shoot me down on this. But I think you should do some podcasts on David Bowie. I think that I'm just I I'm am? just. I'm thinking because I, I know that there's been talk about a Chad Smalley solo show uh, <laughs> where there's going to be nothing but David Bowie. Yeah. And I time. think that A, that should be pushed. And uh, since we've got some captive audience time here in Vegas, I think that we're going to push on that. And also, I think if people are, because I don't know anybody else that's as deep into David Bowie. And I know Mick Jagger. <laughs> no, um, I, uh, I, Ew. I don't know anybody that's as as passionate about David Bowie as as you. And I think that you should do. Uh, I, I, you know, I know you've got tons of time because you're just laying about. Yeah. But, uh, but I, 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 I just think that would be absolutely fascinating to people. And that's um, well, not a bad idea. I, yeah. Well, I, I have one one a year, and uh, what's it now? It June. So. This is it. Got it. So I'm going back to bed. But yeah, I I, I think that that should I think that should happen. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, people should keep an ear out for some. Uh, I'm gonna because I'm gonna push on this now. I'm gonna uh, get some uh, uh, solo Smalley uh, Bowie things going. So I'm gonna push on that. <laughs> so uh, all right, just, just, uh, just my agent bookmark. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so. Now that we're here in Vegas, what I know you mentioned Red Rocks recently. Is there is there anything else you think is on the agenda this week besides uh, uh, rocking out six uh, nights in a row? Well, if you've ever been to Vegas, a I'm sorry. B don't leave without without going to Red Rocks Canyons. It's uh, I'm just giddy about going there every day if I can. I'm just giddy about that. It's it's just it, it's one of the most beautiful places in America. It's not Grand Canyon, but bloody close. And it's just it's just hiking. Uh, you can drive it, you can run it, you can do whatever you want. It's just absolutely fantastic. So I'm excited about that. I don't like the Strip so much, as I mentioned before. I'm not welcome back at the Thunder Down Under. 
they, they, they won't let me dance with them, so I'm not going back to that. And uh, there's, there's, there's really, there's a, there's a ton of stuff to do here if you like shows and stuff. But uh, I just, I also want to mention too that we have a bunch of people coming in from Houston to, uh, to see us this week. We're very excited about that. So, oh yeah, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised too. We've, we've had, we've had our Omaha contingent yep. surprise us here before. I'm not saying that they'll do it this time, but it's incredible to be on stage in Vegas and have these people show up. So it's it, that, that part of it is wonderful. And the staff here at RERA are just incredible. We're always, we're always, you know, there's a lot of turnover because there's a lot of J1 visas, which is uh, essentially yeah. uh, a student program. So there's a lot of people that we've, uh, that we've met that, you know, that won't be here this year, but we see when we go on, on the, the tour in Ireland in October, and a lot of them show up. So it's, uh, it really is, it, it's, it's this, it's this funny circle that just never uh, it just never stops. It's just, uh, and, and, and also, you know, to see them two years later in Ireland or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever time it is, you kind of recognize them. And I remember doing the King's Head in Galway, you know, uh, two or three of them showed up and again, their names escape me, but you know, their face and you're, uh, but you know, how many people do we see in a year? So it's really difficult to, yeah. to pinpoint where you, where you know that face from, right. but then you know, as you know, when you take a break and you talk to them, it's just, it's just fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long lost family reunion every, you know, yeah, every year. It's the funny thing about these J1s, most of them coming over have never been to the States before and they just drop in straight into Vegas. Yeah. Thing. That's the first thing they see in America. Can you imagine? And, and most of them will save some time at the end of their stay to go and visit New York or, you know, go see, you know, Chicago or LA or something, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a small, it's a small window of time. So, so they, they, uh, you know, and, and of course they love it, you know, but again, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not really an honest no <laughs> representation of the States, but then, then again, I mean, like where, where could you, if you were to just drop somebody in the middle of, uh, you know, who's never been in the States and you just let them only let them experience one city. I mean, which one I'm trying to think, you know, what would be the more honest? I mean, Houston's a pretty honest representation, I think. But then again, it's not, then you, if you go from Houston to New York or Chicago, like, well, why, wait a minute, this is completely different. So I don't know. Yeah. I guess it, you could make that argument almost with any thing. The thing of thing that really, I think strikes me is kind of hideous about that, is that Las Vegas is not, Las Vegas is a city that was built entirely around this industry of gambling. So it's, there aren't a whole lot of cities like that in the States. I just, I always, always kind of found that fascinating. I could imagine. Yeah. And that's all they know. It really is. It's, it's, it's beyond uh, comprehension when you think that some of them leave here without ever seeing, you know, another thing. And you, you go into CVS and there's slot machines. You go into, you know, you can't, you can't go see a movie without, slot machines and gambling and black, you know, just everywhere. Denny's, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere you go, they have, you yeah. know, there's just gambling everywhere. Right. Except for Rira, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I love that pub. Yes. Smoke free. Yeah. Machine free. Yeah. yeah. That story, talking about the J1s, it reminds me of uh, uh, that story that Keith, Keith Williams, our driver in, in Ireland yes. has told us many times. It's a great story where he, I forget where he was going to go. He and his friend were going to come to the States and his friend had to cancel. Maybe they're going to go to New York or something initially. I can't remember. But his friend had to cancel. And so, but he still had this ticket, but it was like an open-ended ticket. He could go wherever he wanted. 
And so it just on a whim, he just saw there was a flight leaving for Kansas City, Missouri. And he said, I'll go there. <laughs> just just completely random. And he went and had a great time. He still does that story a few times. And I just think that's wonderful. And that that is a good city to drop into. Yes, it's it is. a great is. little town. Yes, it is. Uh, that's where my dad grew up, actually. So I'm very fond of that story. <laughs> and it's going to be going to be good to see Keith here in a few months. Yes. Keith. All right. I think we're done for now. Excellent. Yes. Also, keep a, keep an eye on our Facebook page. We'll be doing some Facebook Live stuff. And then also, uh, yeah, we'll keep you uh, in, the, in the loop on the trip out to San Diego and back and forth and on the road. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. Yeah, and just one more reminder, too. We, we are going to be recording shows here in Vegas with, with all four of us. So if you've got questions for any of us or all of us, uh, just go ahead and shoot them our way and uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> All yeah. right. Thanks for listening. Yep. See you next time.